Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Just a quick disclaimer. Uh, the audio on Restream decided to be difficult this morning, so the audio quality is a bit lower than normal, but uh, it worked just fine. You'll be able to hear it, just not the normal quality. It recorded through my computer as opposed to through the microphone. Once again, still able to hear it. We'll make sure we get it straightened out next time, uh, but just want to let you guys know before that, this is not the normal audio quality of the show. Just a dip just for the day today. Uh, we'll make sure we get it fixed. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Today, it is January 4th, 2022, and today's show is brought to you all by Sonos. Sonos speakers are the best way to watch football, basketball, baseball. Uh, if you're a gamer, it's an immersive sound experience. So go check out Sonos today. Plenty of awesome speakers, different price ranges as well, too. So check out Sonos today for an immersive sound experience. On today's show, we're going to discuss the news that Caleb Williams is transferring out of Oklahoma, and also Dylan Gabriel has decided to commit to Oklahoma as well in kind of a quarterback transition happening in basically real time there at OU. We'll talk about what it means and kind of look back on what, what has been a, a really crazy year for the Sooners, which started off with such high hopes and Still has high hopes for the future, but ended in a much different place than we all thought that it would start. So that's coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, hello, everybody. I am Josh Neighbors, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. If you guys are new to the channel, make sure you all subscribe. Trying to up those subscribers here in 2022. Uh, like, the, like the videos and also leave comments. Uh, it kind of gives us some inspiration for what we want to talk about on some of these shows, especially our roundtables. I kind of like to take those comments and uh, have some conversations about them. So we always appreciate your all's input and your all's thoughts on the things that we are talking about. And what we're talking about today is the news uh, that Caleb Williams is transferring out of Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel has decided that he is going to be transferring in to Oklahoma. And so this was a, this was always seen as a pretty fluid situation. And I feel like we kind of have to track this thing all the way back to the beginning of the season. Um, the journey Oklahoma and by extension, Oklahoma fans have been on this year has been a really, it's it's one of the more bizarre in college football because they came into this season thinking this was the year. It felt like they'd fix some things on defense. It felt like, you know, the kind of horror show that was that 2019, uh, I believe it was the Peach Bowl, whatever it was, the, the game against LSU. Uh, some of those things had been fixed, like the physical gap, you know, in terms of physicality, athleticism on the offensive and defensive line, especially defensive line. It, it felt like they were kind of, bridging that chasm and there were expectations this year. You know, all the people I talked to that were Oklahoma folks, the expectation this year was to make it to the college football playoff. And they had Spencer Rattler, who was the preseason Heisman favorite, one of the favorites to be the first pick in this year's NFL draft. And if you track the season to this point, I mean, I know we say that there's no parity in college football, but if you kind of look at where we are, right now at the Big 12 and with Oklahoma uh, and kind of how things played out this year in the conference, there was a lot of parity. I mean, I, I think 
I was one of many that said Oklahoma and Iowa State were the two favorites to make it to the Big 12 championship game and potentially have a spot in the college football playoff. Um, neither of those two teams made the Big 12 championship game, obviously with Oklahoma State and Baylor making it there. But look at Oklahoma. I mean, their coach is gone. They benched their Heisman Trophy you know, favorite uh, quarterback, Spencer Rattler, who is now transferring to South Carolina. His backup, the five-star Caleb Williams, came in and performed beyond expectations and was fantastic uh, for the most of the games that he played in and really gave this Oklahoma team a spark and felt like it kept their season alive, kept their hopes and their chances for a college football playoff uh, alive, even after their loss against Baylor. And then you know, they lose the game to Oklahoma State, but Caleb Williams played his ass off in that Bedlam game. And now he is is gone. So I mean, Lincoln Riley is gone. Uh, they did make the Big 12 title game. Spencer Sanders, Spencer Rattler is gone. And now it looks like Caleb Williams is going to be gone. Bob Stoops coached a game. And now Brent Venables is taking over with Jeff Levy coming uh, you know, from Ole Miss to be his offensive coordinator. And to me, you know – it felt like once they played the bowl game and we didn't hear anything directly after the bowl game, that that is kind of a sign that this was going to happen. And, and this kind of felt like it was going to happen because Brent Venables had a lot of time to make his pitch uh, to Kill Williams and bring in Jeff Levy. It was like kind of how much time do you need, right? How much time does does he does he honestly need to 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 factor, you know, to consider Oklahoma basically? Um, and once he put his name in the portal, I mean. I, it feels like, you know, sure, there is still a chance, and it felt like it got smaller with Dylan Gabriel, that they retain Caleb Williams. But as time went on, the idea of him coming back became less and less. Now, I think he does deserve some credit, and I know a lot of people have been slamming him online, but I think he deserves a lot of credit for giving Brent Venables a shot, listening to Bob Stoops, hearing what they had to say, playing in the bowl game, right? So he did all those things. So, you know, I've seen the message board geniuses um, Twitter account tweet out people calling him a traitor and and, you know, saying all these kinds of things about him. Uh, number one, I'm not a fan of that, generally speaking, in college football, but I do think he deserves some respect for the way that he went about this process. I know there was a lot of consternation about, hey, would he stay? Would he go? It didn't seem like people around the program felt really confident that he was going to be staying, but I think, once again, he deserves some credit for sticking with this team through transition and playing in a bowl game that he did not have to play in. He could have said, look, I'm considering transferring, and because of that, I want to keep myself healthy, keep my options open to best maximize myself, my abilities, heading into 2021, 2022. I could return to Oklahoma, but I just need to take a step back first and assess the entire situation. He could have done that. But his team needed the quarterback, his team needed him, and he did a really good job in that bowl game. And so I, I think he deserves some credit for the way he handled that because there are a lot of players right now who, once again, I don't really care the way they're handling it, but aren't handling situations like that. And he stepped up as, as somebody who was a leader and did handle the situation like that. So I believe he does deserve some credit. To Oklahoma fans who are out there saying, wow, I can't imagine a better situation, I kind of tend to agree with you. I, I think with a new coach and Brent Venables and an offensive coordinator and, and, and uh, Jeff Levy, who just you know put out Matt Corral, um, and, you know, and, and by all by all indications, he was the one who really fostered that relationship and fostered that growth. 
uh, I think that is a it's a really positive situation. I don't know. I don't know if this is the case. I do think there is something to be said about the idea that Jeff Levy maybe played into Matt Corral's uh, aggressive instincts a bit too much. Personally, I thought Matt Corral put himself in some danger in some games this year. I thought some of the decisions that he and Jeff Levy made in the Tennessee game were uh, questionable with how much Matt Corral ran the ball. And I think Jeff Levy knew that Matt Corral would not say no. Um, I don't want to see a quarterback taking the ball like 20, 20 times a game in, in uh, game after game. We saw what happened to uh, Sam Ellinger. They did that a lot with him at Texas, and it always felt like he was banged up. It always felt like he was dealing with some kind of injury because the amount of, of stress they put on him carrying the football. And Max Duggan, too, to some extent, had to deal with some of being banged up the last two years. And I think a part of that is how much they asked those quarterbacks to carry the football. So I do think there is potentially a downside to uh, some of the things they asked um, quarter, you know, sometimes quarterbacks like Sam Ellinger and sometimes quarterbacks like this season, Matt Corral is asked, who not saying it's always going to be a Jeff Levy thing. And I'm, I'm not sure there's a, a I mean, I can't, um, haven't checked, but not sure there's a huge history of that happening in the past. But I, I do think that is something that potentially could be looked at to knock Jeff Levy. Generally speaking, I think he's a very sound, strong, good offensive coordinator who comes from a very solid offensive background. The only question about Jeff Levy is obviously his Baylor ties and his unwavering support of Art Bryles, which has been talked about a bunch on this channel and other places as well. But from an offensive mind, I think he is one of the best. I think it's a great offensive situation. And when you rack your brain and think about, hey, what are better situations across the country for a guy like Caleb Williams to step into? Well, there's been some talk, obviously USC with Lincoln Riley, but the the thought process there is, hey, that's going to take a bit more time to build up while he's a great offensive mind and has put, uh, you know, numerous quarterbacks into the NFL, you know, uh, is USC going to be a, a place that can foster a quarterback who feels like he's ready to take those steps to becoming the number one pick, right? Is, is that the kind of environment, uh, you know, places like LSU, but obviously Joe Brady is no longer there. And there's some questions about, you know, how that thing will go with Brian Kelly. And so what that looks like, we don't know yet. Georgia has been one that has been floated there. I've seen multiple reports uh, that Georgia was a favorite. And then I saw one that said Georgia is not. And I think it was actually two people were for 24 seven. Um, so I think that one's interesting. Stetson Bennett, I believe, still has another year of eligibility back. What a story that would be if Stetson Bennett wins a national championship this year and then, um, you know, would, would ostensibly lose his job to a Caleb Williams. And also, don't forget, JT Daniels is there, too. But look, this is just another case of the rich getting a uh, rich getting richer in, in that respect. Maryland was floated out a while ago um, just because – and people say Maryland – he is a DC guy, so a DC kid. So you know that that is uh, going home is always an option, right? That's always some of these some of these kids think about is playing closer to home. So I would not rule that out, but this is going to develop here in the coming days. From the people you know that I've talked to, and I you know pretty open this. I work with Gabe Eichert. I work with Dusty Dvoracek. I work with uh, Chris Plank. I, I work with Holly Rowe. You know, those people always, and this is not just insider knowledge, they're telling me, they're telling the entire world, you can listen to that, SiriusXM, uh, they, they do a great job on the Big 12 channel, and they've been kind of on, you know, on this with this story. It sounds like Caleb Williams' dad is driving a lot, and once again, this is 
what I've heard from them, they've put this out there and this is what other people are saying. It sounds like Caleb Williams' dad is driving a lot of these conversations, is driving a lot of this, uh, driving this car, if you will, if Caleb Williams' career is a vehicle. It sounds like his dad is might be the one who's at the steering wheel. Obviously, I think if you ask Caleb and not probably asked his dad, they would deny that. But uh, from you know everything that we're hearing, it sounds like it. And it sounds like some of their demands and expectations for what schools and communities are going to bring to them in terms of offering. And I think the term would be NIL deals. And Oklahoma even expressly mentioned those NIL deals in their uh, statement they released yesterday. They're searching for a pretty package. Uh, they want they want some, you know, uh, I guess equity in the communities is a good way to put this. They, they want some some backing financially in some pretty significant ways. So we'll see how that plays out. Now, obviously, some schools are in better positions to offer things than others. And, uh, you know, it's weird because the NIL stuff's not supposed to come in directly into recruiting, but let's be honest, that's how this thing works nowadays. Um, it's, you know, it's it's the quiet part being basically being said out loud at this point. So I'm not even sure how much we worry about the, the old uh, recruiting rules and whatnot. But this is going to develop, and we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I think this actually might be a case of who puts together the best package plus what is the? I mean, it's going to be a combination of package plus situation to get him to the NFL. Um, this is a really talented player. This is somebody that came in and you know obviously shook up the college football world and it felt like had a chance to you know be in the Heisman conversation, even though he played a short amount of time. But uh, the season for Caleb Williams, 65% completion percentage, just below that. I like to round up. Um, 1,912 yards passing, which is 9.1 yards per attempt, 21 touchdowns, four INTs, ran for 442 yards and six scores, and had a couple significant, significant um, rushing plays this year that felt like they broke games open, had a couple crazy throws. I go back to the Texas game and think about that throw that he made. Unbelievable. Uh, and, and that performance was great. The way that he stuck it out against Kansas, I didn't think he played a very good first half, but I love the way he rebounded the second half had the uh, phenomenal play where he rips the ball out of Kennedy Brooks' hands and goes and gets that first down. Just the, you know, the heads up, the headiness, and uh, just a freshman, you know, just a, a freshman quarterback at this point in time, Caleb Williams is, and somebody who has, uh, you know, star potential. So tracking his moves will be fascinating moving forward. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back and talk about the Dylan Gabriel news, which also is occurring uh, right now, first, a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you all by Get Upside. It is the uh, best place to get some money off when you guys head to the pumps of Big 12 fans. You guys know this incredible app will help you all save 25 cents uh, for every gallon of gas every time you fill up. So just download the free Get Upside app right now in the App Store or Google Play. Use the promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, SCORE, uh, and you guys can get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. So your first one, that's $0.50 cents cash back per gallon. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside today. Once again, promo, uh, promo code SCORE for $0.50 cents off per gallon cash back on your first tank. Once again, promo code SCORE. It's actually pretty good, especially in this economy. Right now, today's show is also brought to you all by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. When you all do, use the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N, locked on, and you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus 
upon sign up today. Once again, promo code locked on. They've got obviously the remaining college bowls, NFL playoffs coming up right now to the NBA moves on NHL as well. They'll probably have some winter Olympics things that you can bet on to bet on some hockey, uh, in the winter Olympics, but go check that out. Betonline.ag today. When you guys do promo code locked on L O C K E D O N locked on, you'll receive that 50% deposit bonus. All right, so the the news of Caleb Williams transferring was followed up literally hours later by one Dylan Gabriel transferring, uh, saying that he is going to be transferring into uh, Oklahoma. And so Gabriel has had a interesting career. Um, 2019, an awesome season with UCF. 2020, an even better season at UCF. 2021 was abridged and it was cut short. Uh, due to an injury that he suffered in the game uh, against Louisville, I believe it was, earlier this season. It's the last game that he played. So uh, I believe he ends up getting the red shirt there, but obviously the COVID year didn't count either. This is a guy with plenty of eligibility left. Now, I also like the fact that he's a lefty too. Um, trying to rack my brain around statistically, at least, uh, you know, kind of looking at that perspective, when was the last time Oklahoma had a starting quarterback for consecutive years? Now, this year, you'd say, well, this would be the season that technically they did in Spencer Rattler, but he actually didn't play the entire season this year. Therefore, it was not back-to-back seasons. You go back to 2019, and Jalen Hurts was the quarterback that year. You go back to 2018, and it was Kyler Murray. You go back to 2017, you had Baker Mayfield. And that is the last time, to me, you know, back-to-back seasons for Baker, that they actually had a quarterback uh, in the same quarterback in consecutive years. And I think Baker gave them a uh, three-year stint at OU. So that is kind of the last time Baker Mayfield, and look, I know it wasn't that long ago, but still, they still had, you know, uh, last, and you count Baker's last year, from Baker to Kyler, uh, from Kyler to Jalen, from Jalen to Spencer, from Spencer to Caleb, you know, they have not had the same quarterback for consecutive years, I believe, since 2016 to 2017, the last two years of Baker Mayfield. Well, with Dylan Gabriel, considering his COVID year and considering his abridged season this year, this is a kid who still has three years of eligibility left. And, you know, hopefully, I mean, he might be able to stay there for three. I mean, Barring great performances, it wouldn't be shocking if Jeff Levy puts puts him into the league as well. But we'll have to see on that. I think the idea here, though, is that they're getting a guy with three years of college experience, but still actually, you know, and two and a half, let's put it there, but he's still with the college football team for three years. So he's been in college for two and and played really well and in, in, uh, played, played really well in two. He's been there for three, played really well in two. This is a guy that can give you a few years uh, at the most, uh, a few years of steady leadership. Good performer. I'm not. I'm not the biggest Dylan Gabriel guy. I do think he has some shortcomings, but I think he is going to be going to a situation in Oklahoma where they're in a perfect position to help a guy like Dylan Gabriel reach his potential. Um, this is going to be a. Which is weird to say. You know, whenever you move to the Big 12 Conference, I think the idea is, oh, the the defenses aren't as good, not as good of a challenge. This is going to be a step up defensively, going up against Baylor and going up against Oklahoma State and going up against Iowa State, going up against Kansas State. I know it's not an excellent defense, but, you know, you kind of get the point here I'm going with. Um, Defense has become the calling card of several schools in this conference. 
uh, and it is a step up in that regard in terms of defenses, you know, and uh, I actually played a couple, played one decent defense this year and, and did a pretty good job uh, against Boise earlier on in the season and had a really nice game also uh, against Louisville. But this is going to be a, a significant step up for him, but also I think it's going to be a step up in offensive coaching. I'll credit to Gus Malzahn, but this is going to be a lot of focus on him, and I think it's going to be a chance to get as much out of Dylan Gabriel as possible. And so I think there should be some tempered excitement about Dylan Gabriel coming in there. He is not the all-world talent that the last guys are. This is the one thing. I mean, I would say like the last guy who's comparable to his talent level is this feels weird to say Baker Mayfield, right? But I mean, Kyler, Jalen, um, uh, Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams. In terms of talent. I know Jalen Hurts maybe less so as much, but still a guy is currently the quarterback of a team that's going to go to the playoffs in the NFL. Uh, Baker was the one who was the kind of scrappy upstart and really turned himself into, and kind of just got every single ounce out of himself that was possible. That's going to be the situation with Dylan Gabriel because Dylan is not the talent, in my opinion at least, that any of those other guys I listed are. I don't even think he's the talent that Jalen Hurts was, and I don't think uh, Jalen Hurts is kind of this raw athletic talent that is – I really think actually exceeded my expectations in the NFL. Maybe that is a a certain path for, for Dylan Gabriel. I don't see him as quite the athlete that Jalen Hurts was. So that is one thing to watch here is that this is going to be the first time in a while that the development side of it is so important because he is not the game breaker. Generally speaking, he was in some games against lower level talent, but we have not seen against the, the the high level. We don't know if he's a known quantity in terms of being a game breaker in the way that we know some settings, uh, you know, Spencer Rattler was obviously Kyler Murray was Jalen Hurts was uh, a game breaker of both the feet and the arm in some situations. Caleb Williams, clearly a game breaker across the board. I think that's the interesting part here is, all right, how does the development look like? And, you know, is this going to be a situation where, wow, we're kind of unsure at the beginning, but he improves each game. Or is the situation where you feel like, man, he does well in some games, kind of a game manager, almost maybe like a Casey Thompson situation this year. Feels like though he's not the guy to, to break you, you know, to break a certain ceiling, to get you over a certain point. Is he a liability at quarterback? What matter what else is around him, or is he going to be complementing, you know, improving the offense, building this team up? So much to watch here, a lot to be excited for. I know some people are saying Caleb's so raw, you know, we're glad to have a more refined quarterback. Yeah, but at some point, you know, having the guy who can just make a ridiculous play whenever you need it, uh, you'll miss not having that. We'll see if Dylan Gabriel can become that guy. In some games, once again, he was, but generally speaking, it was against lower level competition. So I think they get a good quarterback. I think it was a desirable situation. I want to credit Gabe, Gabe Eichert and uh, Chris Plank really all over this. They were very, very, not adamant, but but uh, they continued to hammer home. Hey, he has said he is going to UCLA, that being Dylan Gabriel. He is not committed there firmly. And they kept on it and kept on it and kept on it. And it felt like they knew something. And I just think it's kind of a, a kind of matter of time with this. The interesting thing to me is I thought that Casey Thompson was going to have an opportunity to be at Oklahoma. And I think Casey Thompson's a very good quarterback. I actually kind of think there is some, you know, there is some things you can kind of compare between Dylan Gabriel and Casey Thompson. I, I thought Casey Thompson with more seasoning, with more work, could eventually find that level that um 
that we saw, you know, that that certain quarterbacks just kind of getting better. I think he could eventually get better and be a quarterback for a really good winning team. They were so close in so many of the games this year, and it was not always the offense's fault. But obviously with his Oklahoma ties, I thought there might have been some smoke there. I, I think Casey Thompson, in a lot of ways, being in the portal, was waiting for this next shoe to drop. He was waiting to see what this happens. Now, just because Dylan – a couple things there. Just because Dylan Gabriel's there does not mean they couldn't go grab another transfer quarterback and create a quarterback competition. I don't think that's going to happen, but not out of the situation. Not out of, not out of the realm of possibility that Caleb Williams decides to come back. I don't think you – know, very, really, really small, but once again, he's in the portal. means he could come back. Do not think that's happening. I do not believe it's going to happen, but you have to acknowledge that it is a certain reality and a place that could. And also plenty of opportunities out there still for Casey Thompson to find a home, even opportunities, I would say, in the Big 12 uh, conference for Casey Thompson to find a home. So all of those things we have to track as well. But, uh, you know, I thought maybe Oklahoma would take a little more time to see the options out there. Uh, the new Evers kid coming in was going to be the only scholarship quarterback on the roster. I think they still might go grab somebody else too. And kind of a backup role. We'll see what happens with things because they're pretty thin at the quarterback, um, position still adding Gabriel does not mean they've got considerable depth in the ways they've had in the past. So let's see what happens, uh, in that regard. Let's take one more break, and there's a couple other guys I want to mention, uh, you know, who are out there right now in the Big 12. But before we do, I just want to just want to say this to Oklahoma fans: like, wh- I don't feel bad for you all. I'm not going to say that, but what a year it's been from where they are to where they are now. And once again, um, I think Brent Venables is a really good recruiter, and I think the fact that he has won recruiting battles up against Southeastern Conference schools going for players in the trenches, which obviously we know that's Oklahoma. It's where they need to win now is in the trenches. They've had so much talent across the board, but they need to get better on the offensive and defensive lines. I think for Brent, especially on defensive line, he's won some of those battles, getting those awesome recruits. I think he is the guy to lead them in the SEC, into the SEC from that perspective. Will the success come? I don't know. But to have a coordinator in Jeff Levy, we'll see how long he stays there. Um, to have a new coach in Brand Venables, to have the transitional leadership of Bob Stoops. I know it's tough seeing Lincoln go. I know it still stings. I know seeing Caleb Williams goes does sting some. I know seeing Spencer out, it's almost like, wow, I wish we kind of had him back because it was an opportunity. I mean, he'd have an opportunity to play now, but I really do believe he needed the change of scenery. But to see where they were at the beginning of the season, to see where they are now, what a fascinating situation it's been. I really do think you know, at the quarterback position, there are going to be some options, but you kind of think uh, Oklahoma, you think quarterbacks in the past. So it's not surprising that they, at least in recent memory, not surprising that they got a guy who was one of the highest thought of guys in the transfer market, but they, they land Dylan Gabriel. They don't take any time at all. Obviously there's pretty clear. There's some conversations happening there. Hey, look, this spot might open up. Um, I was wondering, you know, it feels like now at this point, maybe there was not a whole lot of contact with Casey Williams, with Casey Thompson. Uh, I feel like that conversation maybe would have been a bit more extended. It just feels like the conversation with, with Dylan Gabriel was happening, and that was kind of the first guy on their list, and they wanted to act pretty soon. So it, it seems like Oklahoma might have their quarterback for the future. Once again, I don't think Caleb Williams is coming back. I don't think they had somebody else to compete for the job. But at this point in time, it seems like they get a good one in Dylan Gabriel with past clear experience and plenty of uh, plenty of uh, years left, at least two or three uh, years left for uh, good old Dylan Gabriel as he comes in 
um, to Oklahoma next season. All right, quick break. And one final piece of news before we get out of here, Jared Dagey and Winston Wright are in the portal. We'll hit on that. But first, quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you all by NetSuite from Oracle. This is it. It's the putt to win the championship. If you sink it, the tournament is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Over 28,000 businesses have already switched to NetSuite. For New Year's, NetSuite is a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash lock. That's netsuite.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D. Head to netsuite.com slash lock for special one-of-a-kind financing right now at netsuite.com slash locked. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so the news is that Jared Dahey is transferring. If, you know, if you've listened to the show, um, I use the Richard Johnson uh, split zone duo method of every show, every podcast is somebody's first. I am not a Jared Dahey guy. I think he might have led the league in passing this year. Um, uh, uh, he was at least late in the season. He was leading the league in passing. Um, but never, you never thought Jared Dahey was going to win you a football game. That never felt like it was going to be um, how things always came down in the end. And you know, I, I was at the Virginia Tech game this year, and it, it felt like he was trying to lose them the football game. They did not do him any favors in that Minnesota game. He was on his ass all night long in the bowl game, and I feel like uh, it was just kind of a, it was a fitting ending. He was trying to make plays. He was trying to make things happen. I think he deserves some credit for sticking in there and staying in there. Um, they mixed some Garrett Green in, but to me – it feels like a good situation right now for both parties. It's time for both schools to move on from each other. I think that's that's pretty clear. Daigie has some ability, but though actually he finished second passing yards this year. Brock Purdy ends up beating him, yeah, and going to first. Uh, Jared Daigie ends up going second in passing yards. But we know that passing yards is not always the best barometer. And for this year, uh, 19 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Jared Daigie was sacked 35 times. So the protection was a huge problem for him this year. And I think moving forward, there needs to be a conversation at West Virginia about mobility at quarterback. Now, Garrett Green has showed some. Not sure how good of a passer he is moving forward. And that's going to be a huge question for West Virginia uh, as they kind of transition. I like Neil Brown. A lot of people like Neil Brown. But he's got to get that figured out. And this is kind of going to be, you know, a big year for him as, as he heads into this kind of meeting of third and fourth years uh, during his time in West Virginia. You know, uh, you have to begin to win football games now. And especially as the Big 12 Conference begins to transition and we lose Oklahoma and Texas, there is going to be a lot of posturing for who is that top team. Now, I have to say this, in this upcoming, you know, I'm saying he's in year three, you know, Brown is right now heading into year four. Um, a big part of this uh, a conversation, you know, 
we exclude Texas, but Oklahoma is a team that's run this conference. Not this year, but generally speaking, Oklahoma has been the team that has run the Big 12 in the recent past. There's a lot of teams now that are going to be jockeying and positioning. Luke Fickle looks like he's staying at Cincinnati. Um, they're going to have a really good chance to win this conference at a pretty consistent basis. If Dave Aranda stays at Baylor, once again, if you know this show, I'm a Dave Aranda guy. He doesn't win you a press conference. He, win you, he wins you football games. They're going to be there. Oklahoma State and whatever conference they're in, it feels like, are always going to be nipping at the top people's heels or they're going to be there. And, uh, you know, they have a great recruiting class coming in. Mike Gundy is entrenched as one of the, you know, one of the kind of coaches in the same place in college football. And I think he's got a great opportunity there. TCU wants to get into this mix as well. Don't forget they're adding Houston, who just won, uh, you know, 12 games in a season. BYU is a 10-win team. Uh, UCF has had a lot of success in the past. So now you factor in a school like West Virginia who's had a pretty rich football history. How do you get yourself into the mix? Because it felt like they've had some players that have kept them in the mix that, that have been kind of top uh, caliber talents. Letty Brown, you know, I have guys like, you know, Tyke Smith and a couple guys in the Austin draft last year, good players like, you know, Gary Jennings and Winston Wright, uh, you know, the, the wide receiver positions. They've had some talent at these spots what they have not had is staying power especially at the quarterback now will greer put them in that position but have they been doing that now consistently in the last couple of years you know it just feels like jared daigie's a pretty average quarterback and so now neil brown has had two losing seasons i know it doesn't fair count but two losing seasons out of his three they've got to turn the corner in that respect i also wouldn't be surprised if jared kind of goes a level down i actually think he'd be a really good g5 quarterback the problem with him is he has got stone feet he does not move around very well in the pocket and it always felt like he might deliver a crippling turnover at a really bad time um and so i i you know i think he's got a future to power five school or p5 g5 i mean lower p5 um upper G5. Uh, I think he could definitely go in this one of those situations and succeed. But I think, yeah, the thing at West Virginia, it just wasn't working out. And so with him an opportunity to move on and West Virginia opportunity to move on, it makes sense. Now losing Winston, Wright, That is a whole different ball game. That, that is one of the guys that, uh, that really came through for them this year. And they just had, you know, him and Bryce for Wheaton. I think people like Bryce for Whedon and was not as high on him as a lot of people were, but I thought Winston Wright had an awesome junior season this year. And look, he's a guy with, um, you know, with a lot of eligibility left because of last year's season. Uh, so still plenty of time for him to play five, nine, one eighty. Somebody who's pretty dynamic for them in the returning game. Uh, you know, a kickoff returner this year who had two kickoff or kickoff return for touchdowns, had two in his career uh, and over a thousand return yards. And then also caught seven touchdowns, uh, five touchdowns this season and had 688 yards. So this is somebody that can be a, uh, you know, I think a really good slot player, got a couple of hundred yard uh, receiving games this year and a potential playmaker, but he is moving on. I thought that was a really good weapon for them to keep. Just somebody could kind of do a, do it all for them. They lose a little bit of a Swiss army knife type player with Winston, Wright. That one's going to be interesting to see where he goes, but how can they fill that gap? All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO big 12. You can follow me at Josh neighbors underscore. Please like uh, these videos, please subscribe, please comment. And also make sure you guys uh, stick around tomorrow's episode. I'm going to be laying out my new college football playoff format. I've been working on this, been giving it a lot of thought. 
going to lay it out there. It's going to be simple. It's going to be easy. It's going to make sense. We're all going to love it. We're all going to move on, hold hands into the sunset of college football playoff nirvana once I am through. All right, my friends, until next time, as always, stay safe.